Hey everybody, Happy New Year. Lots of reasons to celebrate. One that I came across this week that I wasn't expecting. I got thinking to myself, you know what I really am happy about? Is that my car is in alignment. That's a simple thing. The wheels are all in alignment, it's rolling down the road. You know, have you ever driven a car that's out of alignment? I have, you know what? And sometimes, you know, back in the day, didn't have enough money to get it fixed right away. So I'm rolling down this road with an out of alignment. It's pulling off to one side of the road. And an out of alignment, wheels out of alignment on a car is not good. Uh, Number one, it pulls you in the wrong direction. It wears out the tires more quickly. It's a rough ride. I mean, it can really be bumpy. Uh, You can't drive as fast because after a certain speed, it gets really uh, uneven. Uh, poor fuel economy, and it can potentially be very unsafe. So for all those reasons, I'm happy that I have a car that is in alignment. I want to talk to you today about being in alignment. Um, Wheel alignment on a car gives you what? Longer life on the car, smoother ride, quicker to your destinations, better usage of resources, your own health and safety, and It's not pulling you in the wrong direction. And the same is true spiritually. And I want to talk to you today on this first weekend of the new year about alignment. We're starting a new series today called First Things First. We're going to have three weekends about these things or kind of firsts of the Bible. And I want to kick off today talking about four first things to align our priorities, our goals for the coming year with God's. Four firsts to align our priorities with God. They are four habits of living as aligned followers of Jesus. I want to talk to you about the order of alignment. So you got the first day of the week, the first of the week, the first of the month, and the first of the year. So let's first talk about the first first, and that's the first thing of the day. The first thing of the day, if you want to live aligned with God, you want this year to take you to your destination, you want to have a smoother ride, you want to not be pulled in the wrong direction, you want everything in your life to to be more straight on the path that God wants us to be on. It's to start the day right, and that's seeking God. Jesus uh, was teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, and a lot of the followers were concerned about kind of everyday life and they were worried about, you know, how am I going to have clothes to to wear and food to eat and so forth. And he reassured them. And he said at, at, at one point, he says, don't be anxious. Don't get freaked out. Don't worry a lot. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? These were everyday matters of life that in the first century people were concerned about. And he said, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. People who don't know God, who, people who don't have a heavenly father, who don't have someone looking out for them, they're chasing after this stuff. They're all worried and, and bent out of shape about everyday matters of life. He says, your heavenly father knows you, you need them all. In other words, he reassures us, God's got your back. You're his son, his daughter through faith in Jesus Christ. If you've crossed that line of faith, if you've come to know God through Jesus then he's got your back. He, he knows what you need. You're not an orphan. You have a heavenly father who's watching out for you. He says, so don't, don't get overly concerned. Instead, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, to seek to put God first in your life, seek to, to live right before him, 
to walk in his paths each and every day. And he said, and God will take care of the rest. There's something special about how God works it out. If we just seek him first, put him first, he has a way of aligning other things. Doesn't mean your life is going to go perfectly, but it does mean that God has a way of watching out for his children and taking care of us. Now, the way that you do that specifically is when you wake up in the morning to seek God first. And I don't want to be legalistic about this or make all sorts of rules about this, but generally speaking, a great idea is just to begin the day with God. And that means you you take uh, time to pray to God, you open up the Word of God, and you say, God, how would you direct me today? And it is amazing. That one simple tweak of your life, of instead of immediately starting the day, chasing down all the priorities of the day, if you just pause, and you might start with just a short time, if, you, if this isn't a part of your habits these days. You might start with a short time and over time grow that a little bit. But, but just pause at the beginning of every day before you head out the door or before you take on the day and just say, this is something I'm going to do first is seek God in prayer and in his word. Um, this was actually, Jesus had this pattern. He constantly was continually seeking God, his father. But on one particular occasion, there was a ton of stuff going on. People were pressing up against him. He was working miracles. Everybody wanted to see him. Everyone wanted to hear what he had to teach. But it says that near the beginning of Mark's gospel about Jesus, it says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, an alone place, and there he prayed. The Son of God felt it was important to just get by himself and put all the other distractions of the day that were sure to come. And he lived a very busy and demanding life. But he put them all aside and he said, this time is for me to spend with my Father. And if I could you know, suggest to you uh, to, to the first alignment is for the first thing of the day, the first thing of the day is to seek God. If you can just make that a new pattern of your life or recommit to that, if that is your pattern of your life, this new year, 2022, I think you're going to see incredible results and incredible impact through this. Okay, that's the first one. By the way, if you, maybe this is, would be helpful to you every day, Valley Church, and I write these, we send out a devotional called Every Day with Jesus. And if you would like to receive that daily devotional in your inbox, what you can do is text the word FIRST, just that word FIRST, to 515-644-1021 and deliver to your inbox will be a a devotion from different scriptures every day uh, and you can spend that time uh, starting your day with Jesus, seeking God first. Okay, so that's first thing of the day. Now let's talk about the first of the week. Here's, Here's the next pattern and that is to worship together. The first day of the week in the scriptures is called the Lord's Day. Uh, originally uh, believers, the followers of God uh, gathered on the Sabbath and over time people who came to faith in Jesus migrated their time from Saturday which was the Sabbath to actually the Lord's Day which was the first day of the week and that was in celebration of the resurrection of Jesus who on the first day of the week rose from the grave. It became known as the Lord's Day so uh, it was the pattern of the New Testament church to meet on that first day of the week. We don't have a big complication about that, you know, if it's Saturday night or Sunday morning, whatever. It's just starting the week with God. 
worshiping together with God's people, all right? It's, it's this consistent opportunity to weekly reorient and recharge for the week ahead. Now, I want to encourage you to make this a priority in 2022. And maybe it has been, but maybe it hasn't been. Maybe there's been some hit and miss and you say, you know, I really would like to focus in and, and align my life with God's priorities. Can I encourage you to make this a priority? A consistent refocusing on Christ, our risen Lord, consistently, weekly being replenished, recharged with Christ and with his people as we gather together. And to have the, see the real impact on our lives, it requires consistency on that weekly, every week, meeting with God's people together. It's a spiritual kind of power tool uh, for growing in your faith. Uh, it, it, instead of trying to do it on your own, you have the power of God, a, like a power tool, is the Lord's day of that first day of the week. So in, in the New Testament, Acts 20, verse 7, it says, on the first day of the week, we gathered with local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them. So they were gathering together. They were having communion. They were uh, having fellowship. Uh, there was a lot of things that they were doing together. And there was also the teaching of God's word. It was a weekly alignment. And there was an eagerness for them to grow together in their faith. Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So hearing God's word to the fellowship, that unity of God's people, to the breaking of bread, remembering consistently Jesus and his life and death and resurrection and the prayers. They got together, they prayed with God's people. So that weekly pattern of the Lord's Day was incredibly important to them. I want to encourage you today to give yourself to this first of the week worshiping together, uh, to give yourself this priority. And if you are blessed with a family, to give your family that priority. Give your children, if God's blessed you with children, every spiritual advantage. I know we want our kids to, you know, excel educationally and athletically and in all these other areas of life. Can I just plead with you to make this a pattern and a memory and, a, and a, an investment in the lives of your children? to make the first day of the week, that weekly gathering with God's people, a high, high priority. It may mean reordering some of the other things in your life, but consistently to connect with God's people. And the culture is not gonna do that for you. They don't care about you worshiping with God's people at all. They could care less. And if you can't be here for any reason, for health or for you're on vacation, your way, at least to be able to connect online uh, but as God gives you opportunities to connect in person with God's people when you're comfortable to do that uh, together with God's people. Culture won't do that for you. You're going to have to, for your own life and your own self, your own family, to draw some lines in the sand and say, this is a priority for us. Uh, the writer of Hebrews uh, reminded the early believers uh, of this priority when he said, uh, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works spur each other on to that and he said and let us not neglect our meeting together there's something that's a very powerful and positive when believers in Christ can rub shoulders with one another and connect with one another that spurs us on to follow Jesus when there's a lot of temptations there's a lot of opposition there's a lot of hostility Gathering together with God's people motivates us to love and good works. And that comes when we meet together. Let's not neglect that meeting together. But instead, let's make that a high priority. So this is one of those firsts. First of worshiping together. 
as some people do. Some people get out of the habit. He goes, don't be like them. And let's encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Every day we're closer to that day when the Lord wraps up human history. And so we want to spend more time together seeking him and seek him together with God's people to spur one another. Don't give up meeting together and do it all the more. Make it a priority. This first is worshiping together. So seek God first thing every day. Worship together the first thing every week. And then I want to move to the next first and that's the first of the month. And that's to give your first fruits. Now I'm only choosing first of the month because uh, it's just a, a pattern. It could be every week. It could be every other week. However you, uh, God provides for you. But I'm just using it as a pattern to get into to the first of the month. Give your first fruits to God. Now, Jesus said, and we heard this in our earlier series in the book of Acts. Jesus taught us it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I think we're all, we all know that. Even over Christmas time, we saw the, that joy that we get from giving someone to someone else and to see their face light up as they receive something from us. And Valley Church, you stepped up big time in blessing our community with all those year-end initiatives. Uh, we're going to see how those are able to be followed through, but already they're underway. And it is such a blessing. Thank you for your generosity at year end that enabled those to come together and they're beginning to happen now. We'll give more details in coming weeks, but God bless you guys. Most everybody uh, hearing this and watching this, are, you, you totally believe that. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But a lot of people aren't really living that in their reality. Um, many people are confused about giving to the Lord's work to, and to the Lord's church. Or they're scared about, what if I, if I give, am I going to have enough for myself? Um, and uh, somebody said there was two things that Americans, not just Christians, but Americans in general are mistaken about. And these two things are, most Americans don't feel rich, and they are. And second, most Americans feel they are generous, and they're not. So let's talk about that. Most Americans don't feel rich. And the reality is we are. Uh, Paul told Timothy, command those who are rich in this world to be generous and be willing to share. And a lot of us read that. And I, I, I know for a long time, I let myself off the hook because I'm not, I'm not rich. That's about somebody else. But then you really look at it and guys, we're among the richest people in, on the face of the planet, among six, seven billion people. We are among the most wealthiest financially blessed, materially blessed people on the face of the earth. Just a few things to ask you today. And, and by the way, there's no guilt here. Just relax. We're all here together. Okay. Um, but if you drive your own car, and I do, did you know that you are in the top six to nine percent of the world's richest people? I remember years ago, I was in India at a, at a gathering of, of pastors, a couple, a couple hundred of, the, of these gather, a leaders gathering. And I asked them, uh, one of the leaders, as I was getting ready to speak, I said, how many of these people own their own car? And he looked at me like I was a crazy man. He said, none. Absolutely none of them have a car. Are you kidding? So not a single one of those 200 leaders owned a car. None. And then it began to dawn on me how I had taken for granted many of the material blessings. This was 20 years ago. And I've, you know, had an opportunity to meet with people in a lot of different countries. A lot of people don't own their own cars. It's a uniquely American thing. If you have a car, 
I mean, you're among the world's six to nine percent, depending on the study, of the world's wealthiest people. It's crazy. Um, some of us, get this, some of us even have our own houses for our cars. We call them garages. Yes, we have a garage, a house for our cars. If you have a two-car garage, I hate to tell you this, but did you know that your two-car garage is bigger than the houses of billions of people on this planet? Billions. It's hard to get around your mind around that, but we are blessed. Are you feeling guilty? I hope not. Are you feeling grateful? I hope so, okay? Let's keep going with this. How many of you out there would say that you probably have enough food to eat for the rest of today and probably enough food to eat for tomorrow as well? If so, you're blessed. How many of us have more than one bedroom for our family? Your, your family of two or three or four or five or six don't all live and share in, just live in one room and share one room. You're blessed among the people of the world. How many of us have more than one bedroom with air conditioning or heat or a toilet that flushes and all that. Wow, you're blessed. How many of you own more than three outfits? Yep, you're blessed. How many of you have access to education? Or if you get sick, can find a doctor or a hospital to go to? Billions of people on the planet do not have that blessing. Um, I share all that, and some of you are still not convinced you're rich. Uh, what if I offered you a job making $37,000 a year? Would you feel like, wow, I'm rich? Probably not. But for 96% of the world, that would be a significant pay increase. Congrats, you're in the top 4%. And some say it might even be better than that. If you're making $48,000 a year, you are in the world's top 1%. Whoa. Pretty much everybody who is a part, who lives in Des Moines, Iowa, part of our, our church, are in the upper 10% of the world's richest people. And because of that, we have rich people's problems. I have rich people's problems. I, you know, I, you're, you're not dancing when you find out this news uh, that you're, you, you don't get it. We don't get it. Our problems are like, I have bad cell phone coverage. I can't decide what to do on vacation. My computer crashed. I've got slow internet. I've got flight delays. Those are all rich people problems. Silly rich people, you know? A, a few weeks ago, we had the big, you know, crazy weather that happened. And, and some people had their electricity out for two or three hours. And, you know, that was a big hardship. Wow, our electricity went out for two or three hours. I looked it up, and one of six people on earth do not have access to electricity. They never have electricity. Wow. Feeling guilty? Hope not. Feeling grateful? I hope so. Gratitude is the thing that transformed. In the last 50 years in the United States, the average home has grown to twice the size, while families are half as big. Countless studies have shown that Americans generally never feel they are rich. In virtually every study, people said that they would feel rich at a certain amount, and that amount was almost always double of whatever they happen to currently possess. The biggest challenge facing rich people is that they've all lost their ability to recognize they're rich. It's always a moving target. Silly rich people. Guys, uh, the number one challenge of being materially blessed 
the number one challenge of being materially blessed is until you relax into the reality that you are blessed financially, you will never become intentional about getting good at being materially blessed. I want you to know it's not a guilt trip to want to advance your standard of living. It's not a guilt trip to improve your, 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 your career. Absolutely go for it. But God wants us to learn to be generous. And most Americans feel we are generous and we're not. The studies after study indicates that on average, Americans give away about 2.8% of our income to charitable causes. And study after study indicates that the more people make, the less percentage of their income they give away. So a lot of Americans are not very generous. Now I know there's some incredible exceptions among the people of God and I rejoice in that. And I'm so grateful for so many of the people of Valley Church who are incredibly generous. So hear me out. But there's something about this giving our first fruits to the Lord, setting aside first fruits of what God has provided for us that gets us into a pattern, a habit of thanksgiving and generosity that truly transforms us. And most of us really want that. We want to be generous. Why aren't we, some, some of us? It's not because we don't want to, because everybody wants to be generous. It's because sometimes we get into a cycle of scarcity. Let me take you through this cycle of scarcity. And that is God supplies for us a certain amount, whatever it is. And the first thing we do is we consume that. And then we don't have enough, and so we lack. We, we spend out everything, and then we lack. And then we get scared, and we fear, and we just continue in this cycle, and we never can break this cycle of scarcity. It's like, I never have enough, and we're just continually in that cycle. That's extremely common. But God wants us to learn to break that cycle of scarcity and to enter into a new cycle. And this is a cycle of supply. And let me take you through it real quick. That is, God supplies... And we give, we give our first fruits to him. We set aside and say, God, you're my provider. Every blessing I have is from your hand and I'm gonna set aside that first fruit to you. And then we find out when we take that step of faith and it's scary, I'll admit, but we learn to trust the God who's provided us everything we have. He honors that. And when we give, he multiplies. And I'm not saying he's gonna make us rich, but he has a way of meeting our needs and multiplying the impact and influence of our lives and our joy and our peace. So we give, he multiplies, and then our faith grows. We learn we can trust him and we can be generous, even more generous. This is the pattern of scripture. It's, it's taught over and over again. Uh, you're familiar in Proverbs with this verse in Proverbs chapter three. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. So don't lean in the way you think about this stuff. In all your ways, instead, know him, follow him, trust him, and he'll make your path straight. You'll be aligned. You're heading down the road fast and smooth, right? Keep going. He says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't think we have all the answers to this. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. There's something good about that. There's something that God has a way of, of watching out for us. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your entire harvest. So everything that God has provided for you, he says, if you're going to trust in the Lord with all your heart, this is where the rubber meets the road. You honor him with the first fruits and says that belongs to the Lord. You give that. 
to the Lord first. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. In other words, I'll give you a supply. You'll have all that you need and many times even more than you need. But it is a step of faith to trust him to take that first portion. And in the Old Testament and new, oftentimes a great starting place is 10% to set that aside. That's a pattern of both the Old Testament and New Testament. Jesus on a couple of occasions said, when you tithe, that's the meaning of the word tithe is 10. He says, when you tithe and don't neglect the weightier things, but when you tithe. So he kind of assumed that believers or followers of Jesus would do this. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, Paul writes, you must decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. So he's saying, and I'm saying straight up to you, don't give to the Lord because you're feeling pressure to do so or it's like, I don't really want to do this. I guess I'll... No, he says, don't, don't, don't give. Please don't give. He says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. When you come to the place in your life, he says, you know what? God's my provider and I, I want to honor him with my first fruits. I want to give that first portion to God. God loves that. He loves to see that in his people. And he goes on. This is all in 2 Corinthians. These people were poor people that he's writing to. And they were stretching and, and doing incredible things for God and giving to other people. And it says, God will generously provide all you need. He's a generous God. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Uh, as the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. So he sows the seed and then he sees the harvest. And he says, uh, he will provide and will increase your resources and then produce a greater harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. So that's how you break the cycle of scarcity. The cycle of scarcity says God supplies, I consume, then I lack, then I fear, and then I just stay in that consumption scarcity cycle. He says, this is the way you break that. It's by trusting God. That first of the month or whenever is regular for you to say, I'm going to set this aside. You say, God supplies. And then we, we give to him first. We're generous first. In Malachi, he even says, this is crazy. He even says, Malachi 3.10, test me in this. It's the only time in all of scripture that God invites us to actually test him. It's in the area of giving our first fruits to him. So he says, test me in this and see if I won't bountifully supply for you. So when we put God first, he has this way of breaking that cycle of scarcity. We begin to see this in our own lives. We begin to see him supply all that we need. And he says, practically speaking, in 1 Corinthians, he wrote to the Corinthian church, now about the collection for the saints, do the same thing as I instructed the Galatian churches in their culture because they were paid daily, every day. He said on the first day of the week, each of you should set something aside and save in keeping with how he's prospering. So it's, if God's given you more, he's blessed you with more, then you, you give even more, you're even more generous. If, you, if you're prospering, so that no collections will need to be made when I come. So we're not going to have to make all these appeals and all these pleading. And it's just like, uh, we're running out of money. You know? No, we just supply. So that's what God is saying here.
And I just want to say, we've seen this over and over in the life of Valley Church. Uh, personally, um, it was real scary when Ruth and I, um, you know, I remember in our first ministry, we, we got paid, um, guys, this is hard to believe, but $800 a month. That was our total, that was total income. Um, and, and we wrote a check for 10% of that. And I know it was a long time ago, but it still was not very much. We were in the four-figure income. It was crazy. And we wrote that check. It was so scary. But I'm going to tell you what. We always had cars that you know, usually start. We always had a roof over our head. And God has blessed us over and over again. Whenever we've honored him, he's always been for the, oh, there for us. And not just financially, guys. I'm talking about in, in, in all of life. I, we trust him and he's, he's been there for us to help us with our family, to help us in our, in, in our ministry, to help us in our friendships and relationships. He finds ways to honor those who honor him. And so I just want to encourage you that. We've also seen that as a church. You know, I just think of one example. You know, the year was 2012 and, you know, um, God had laid on our hearts to, to not just... Um, do something for ourselves, but for something for the whole community. And God laid it on the hearts of people of Valley Church to give very generously millions of dollars to the building of the Valley Community Center. This wasn't really a building for us. It was really a gift to our community. And, you know, it was a step of faith. Uh, we bought 35 acres across the street and built a, a 30,000 square foot facility for our community. And it's like, is God going to come through for us? And guys, God has bountifully supplied for us. He's, he's enabled more and more people to come to know Jesus Christ through the outreach of Valley Church. He's multiplied our efforts and he's supplied our needs. And he's allowed us to bless other people in need in our community in incredible ways. So that's that cycle of generosity. And if you'd like to get off the treadmill of scarcity, can I invite you to honor God by the first of the month or whatever is normal for you in terms of your income to honor God, to set aside that first fruits of your income and make that a priority in your life. The last principle I want to give to you is the first of the year. And that's now. I mean, it's, it's the first weekend of this new year. And the last uh, first is to commit afresh to God. There's something about standing before God and saying, I just want to commit this whole next year to him. I'm standing on the, on the kind of the brink of a brand new year. You're all feeling that, aren't you? And, and say, what does it mean to commit afresh to God? Well, James said it this way. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He says, look around at your life. Everything that's good, everything that's just perfect in your life or or maybe it's not perfect, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole, complete gift. That's what it's talking about. Anything that's good in your life, it's from the hand of the Father. And I'm not just talking about stuff. I'm talking about friends you have, simple pleasures of life, children, family, joy, peace, love, health, jobs, the big blessings of life, breath and life and hope. And then, of course, eternal salvation through Jesus and his cross and resurrection, which is overflowing the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, God himself indwelling us. You think of all the incredible, perfect gifts that God gives to us. It's all from him. It's all from the Father. And he said, and then he goes on, he says, don't be deceived about that. Don't think it's from another place. Don't think it's from yourself. 
It's from the Father. In verse 18, he says, by his own choice, he gave us birth. He gave us a new start in life through faith in Jesus by the word of truth. We heard the gospel. We trust in Jesus. And the reason he did all this is so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Okay, guys. So here's, here's I'm going to do this just real simple here, okay? Um, uh, so here's the world that God created, all right? And the world is, is kind of a mess. And God has said, I'm going to, the world's in a mess because of the fall and because of sin. And God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make all things new in this world. Eventually, I'm going to set everything right and everything's going to be squared away. and It's going to be an incredible new heavens and new earth. But I'm going to start, the place I'm going to start, the first fruits are the best and the finest. He says, I'm going to start with my people. They're the first ones I'm going to renew and change and transform. So this whole world transformation that God is going to do, he's going to start with his church. He's going to start with the people of God. And he's going to start specifically with little old me or little old you. Each one of us. He says, I want to make you into this new person, into this brand new, incredible person you've always dreamed of being. And if you'll follow me and you'll trust the word of truth and you'll commit to this path, I've got incredible things in store for you. So as you think about this year and you think about all the things that we've talked about today, can I remind you just what we've discussed? to align ourselves with everything that God has promised us here. First thing every day, seek God in the word and prayer. And the first day of the week, worship together with God's people. And the first of the month, honor him by giving your first fruits. And then the first of this year, say, I want to commit afresh to following Jesus. Father in heaven, thank you for these firsts that we learned today. And I pray, oh God, that each one of us, as we, uh, as we think over and review our own lives, you'll show us the areas of our life that, that we can align ourselves and say, I want to put you first. Show each one of us what that is in the days to come. And I can't wait to see what you're going to do in the lives of your people in 2022. And all God's people agreed and said, amen. I wish you God's deepest, richest blessings in the year to come. God bless you all.